Good morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal. I'm the Managing Director of Business of Cannabis. Welcome back to the Cannabis Daily Show for Thursday, February 10th. Since 2017, Business of Cannabis has highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the cannabis industry. And first, we run down the key stories of the day. Then we get to our BFC Live segment, where today we'll be joined by Jeanette Vandermerel, the newly named President and CEO of Gold Can. We'd love to hear from you in the comments, and always feel free to visit us at businessofcannabis.com, as well as through all of our social channels, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And please do subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're watching here. And if you're not watching here, please go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. Two announcements. First, March 10th, we will be in Brooklyn for our B of C New York sessions, where we'll talk about connecting social equity licensees with capital. Our partners for that event are Leafly and Vicente Setterberg. On April 6th, we will be at Business of Cannabis Miami. There'll be a showcase about cannabis retail tech design and data. Please consider joining us in South Florida on April 6th. For today's stories, New York's unlicensed dispensaries warned to close. Hexo is downsizing. U.S. federal reform updates are coming fast and furious, just not particularly forward. And one year in, a look back on Europe's cannabis stocks. For our first story, cannabis shops suspected of participating in, quote, illegal gifting of THC products and pre-legalization in New York have received cease and desist letters from the state's Office of Cannabis Management. This, according to Cannabis Business Times, quote, you are hereby directed to cease any and all illegal activities immediately, the letter states, quote, failure to seize this activity puts your ability to obtain a license in the legal cannabis market at substantial risk. The unlicensed sale of cannabis is illegal and subjects you to substantial fines and possible criminal penalties. Of course, New York will likely to have uh, continue grappling with entrepreneurs aiming to establish loyalty among consumers until sales licenses or issues and sales actually start, which won't be until 2023 at the earliest. For our second story, a week after being warned for being in non-compliance by NASDAQ after their stock dropped below $1 for 30 consecutive days, formerly Quebec-based Hexocorp announced it will lay off 180 employees to save approximately $15 million this year, this according to BNM Bloomberg. The cost-cutting plan has been dubbed a path forward and includes the closure of its Nova Scotia production facility, which accounts for about half the layoffs. The path forward is intended to help make good on its 360 million U.S. dollar debt financing deal with the New York, New, sorry, New Jersey-based hedge fund High Trail Capital, used to acquire Redican in 2021. To add to Hexo's challenges, activist investor and former Redican advisor Adam Arive is planning to nominate five independent directors and push for new leadership of the company at an upcoming shareholders meeting. On the other hand, Hexo has the largest percentage of market share in Canada, at just over 10%. For our third story, the push for federal cannabis reform in the U.S. is going slow, but it's never boring. A few recent updates. Senate Minority Leader Ken, uh, Mitch McConnell criticized the inclusion of the safe banking bill into the American Competes Act, calling it, quote, a poison pill. That, according to Marijuana Moment. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer announced he will file his legalization bill in April. And the hemp industry is anticipating a crackdown on THC product sales, which are reportedly booming. And finally, former President Trump uh, endorsed the opponent to Representative Nancy Mace in her Republican primary. Now, Mace is, of course, the author of the business-friendly States Reform Act, so some inter 
Republican fighting there with the Republican champion on the House side for cannabis reform. Never a dull moment when you mix politics and cannabis in D.C., but as we inch closer to the midterm elections, we are not expecting major sweeping changes from the federal government. For our final story, it's been a year since the first cannabis stock was listed on the London Stock Exchange, so business can evaluate market reaction to some of the industry's major players' progress so far. Love Hemp Group jumped 60% last week, but is still well below its yearly high. The market reacted positively to Oxford Cannabinoid Technologies' recent appointment of Imperial Brands Director Richard Guy Hathaway, bumping its stock price about 7%. Cellular Goods is planning to revamp its marketing efforts to boost its flat stock performance, and Chill Brands, which we talked about a few weeks back, is struggling this past week after delaying its ambitious U.S.-focused retail rollout. See a comprehensive list of EU cannabis stock performance at Business of Cannabis. Uh, sorry, Business Can. Those are the stories we're watching today. Join 10,000 others and catch all of these stories in your inbox every day at 7 a.m. Eastern with our Cannabis Daily Newsletter. Now. Coming up on our BFC Live segment of the program, we'll connect with Jeanette Van Der Merrill. She was recently named the president and CEO of the Mexico-based cannabis company Gold Can, and we connect with Van Der Merrill to talk about that appointment. Jeanette, thanks for being here. Thank you, Jay. Always a pleasure to see you. <laughs> it's a pleasure to see you as well. Um, and and I'm, I'm only partially joking, but when people from Ontario get named president and CEO of companies, uh, that's great news. When it's February here and that company that you're now the president of is in Mexico and you're in Mexico now, that just makes people angry, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jay. I'm going to say it's... Um... You know, I left Ontario the other day and uh, glad to be here in Mexico. The weather is stunning. Uh, the people are amazing. The, you know, the growth and the gentrification, and you can really see that there's a, a sense of, of Mexico really moving forward. It's, it's fantastic. And, 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 well, I want to talk about Gold Camp, but, but maybe even specifically, uh, you know, on that sort of upward swing of where Mexico is today, talk a little bit about where the industry is there or where cannabis is vis-a-vis like Canada or the US, like where on the sort of timeline horizon is, is cannabis on that? You know, I would say we're 2003. Um, it, it's really early. We're still waiting for legislation. Um, there's a lot of illicit products on the market, a lot of quasi claims. There's no COAs, there's nothing. Um, you know, it's back in that, that really gray days, uh, which presents for me huge opportunity. Um, so we're really excited about that. We're currently waiting for legislation from the federal government on adult use, uh, but we're not really waiting. We're moving forward with products in different categories that are under the current legislation. Um, no sense sitting around waiting. Right. So you want to talk about those? No, I, I agree. And, and if everybody could do it again here in Canada or in the U.S., you know, I think that would be an, a, a really good strategy. Like start building brands, start building uh find your core audiences and then sort of add a product in as opposed to, you know, create all new, new, net new categories with new consumers and all that. Talk a little bit about sort of, well, the products that are there now from the gold can perspective and sort of where you, what the uptake has been. So it, it's great. So we've but certainly been with distributors, we put together product catalogs. So um, one of the reasons I love gold can is such an experienced team. And I think in, in the cannabis industry, whether in Canada or in the emerging markets, 
the lack there's not a lack of licenses or capacity it's a lack of lack of skilled management and experienced teams uh so i am so blessed with gold can that we've got everyone is experienced in the cannabis industry whether our legal team project management research marketing qa our agronomist uh the medical team everyone actually understands cannabis so it's not this huge learning curve um so currently we're gold can we've got two pillars that we're working under one is more of a health and wellness slash beauty brand uh and that's special in mexico because mexico the biggest discretionary spending in mexico is um beyond food shelter and clothing and basic uh things is certainly that health and wellness sector uh and it's a country of 130 million people um and also we're working very strongly on the medical market there is strong medical legislation to allow cannabinoids to be prescribed to patients and distributed whether it be through allopathic or herbal medicines so we're also going down that path it's a little bit slower so we're expediting on the health and wellness and beauty and then add cannabinoids as allowed yeah that's, that's a real strategy seems to thank be. you wow. <laughs> no, i'm not saying that just um i mean it's, it's a very compelling strategy and I, I i tend to look sort of in reverse on the canadian side like what what coulda shoulda woulda right now that now that where we are what is sort of the strategy that could have been employed early days to, to sort of build market share, build brand ID, build consumer base, build patient base, all those things. And do you do you end up doing that too in your mind saying, wow, you know, if we were, if it, 20, 2003, you know, we could have done X, Y, and Z from the Canadian landscape and this is where we do, and then apply that to where you are now. You know, hindsight is 2020. And I'm so fortunate to have that and also see so much data we've gained in the last 10, 12 years from emerging markets and different ways that different jurisdictions are handling cannabis, as well as the growth of products that we've seen in Canada. So yes, I am fortunate to have that, that wisdom now uh, that I just think a lot of that vision was missing because we were so focused on sell weed, sell weed. Right. Um, and, and I think we missed where the larger demographic being those that are focused on health and wellness and quality of life um, are really wanting. And you know, the, the dried flower and combustibles is not something that gold can is looking at. Uh, it's just not a skew. We're going to keep our lane, pick a lane and stay in it. Another key thing. <laughs> I want to ask a question because I mean, we are talking about it. I would call it on the more micro level, meaning like we look at what's happening in New York and they're taking mm -hmm. lessons from other States and are trying to apply them and doing it a little bit better, a little bit faster and a little like cutting and pasting the things that work, recreating the things that don't and then applying them there from a country perspective is like, is Mexico or even other countries that sort of your, you have your eye on, like, are they doing the same thing? Here's what the States is doing. Here's what Canada is doing. Here's what's happening in Europe. Let's take a little bit of all those things and apply it to a 130 million person country that is adjacent to the US. Like, is there a bit of that thinking from a corporate, but also maybe a regulatory perspective? So really great observation. And I agree. I think they've seen what's worked and also, you know, some of the gaps in Canada, like the Mexico is doing a great job in really focusing on equality and, and um, equity yeah. and, and making sure that uh, there's an uh, agrarian culture of the ejidos or ejidoterios, and they're going to be preferred for the agronomy. And so we're partnering with them. We were actually negotiating with some, uh, some yesterday and some today uh, around use, hiring them to use their land to, to cultivate, because mm -hmm. um, I think it's really important. Right. Gold can is focused on ESG. So it's working with the Hedos, but it's also on our packaging or inputs and waste management, which is a huge issue in Mexico. Um, 
Rod McDonald, the previous CEO and obviously still senior advisor and director, and he cannot leave. Um, <laughs> he cannot leave. He, he's critical and pivotal. Um, but he has a shrimp company here in Mexico. And we've been doing some research on using shrimp shells, which are discarded uh, because they're, they're full of collagen. And, and find a way to extract that collagen in an environmentally safe way, basically just boiling them down uh, and use that in, in health and beauty products because um, it, it's, you know, recycling that waste rather than just landfill. Yeah. And, and you know, that, 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 that is one of those things that certainly, I mean, I think Canada just basically missed, missed, missed on regulating for sure. Um, same thing in many of the States. And, and this is a, this is, the third or fourth time this conversation, certainly about packaging even, has come up in the past oh. week. It's just, it's um, it's a huge miss and, and something that the industry needs to do better, but but also regulators need to think about it before they legalize, right? Like it's, it's actually upstream. It is. And, you know, Canada set a very high bar for everything. And I understood why they did it at the time because, you know, they were the first large G7 or nation to legalize cannabis, but the sky didn't fall. Nothing happened. Um, and I mean, dried flour being put in child resistant containers makes absolutely no sense. Um, I, I don't know any kids or pets that are going to eat dried flour. Uh, and even if they did, there would be no result right. other than maybe some good improved gut health. Um, <laughs> well, it's that, that also, but some of the packaging is both childproof and adult proof. Like it's, oh. it's unopenable. Yeah. I know many with arthritis that are taking it as a therapeutic yeah. and they just have to destroy the package to get into it. Yeah. You have to, you have to, I mean, for even some of the edibles or especially some of the edibles, like you, you literally in Canada, we're getting off topic, but you need a scissors to open them, right? Like you actually need to cut them. Yeah. It, it, it's very unfortunate because again, uh, obviously we want to ensure and keeping the federal mandates in Canada, keep it away from children out of the hands of children. Uh, but also, of course, it comes to keep it on the illicit market. Uh, yet, obviously, and I am going off topic, but I'll rant, <laughs> the excise tax, the packaging, the lack of marketing, the lack of consumer education makes it sure that the, and, and the 10 milligram maximum on edibles is a way to ensure that the illicit market will continue to thrive in the foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jeanette, it's nice to talk to you. Congratulations on the appointment. We love hearing about what's happening in Mexico. We'll have you back as things develop Perfect. and as legislation gets closer. And, and then, you know, I can see a whole path where we talk about uh, legislation in Mexico, the market in Mexico, international trade, all those things will be really juicy as they happen. But I think as you know, and I know, our best laid conversations rarely are on the timelines <laughs> that we had hit anticipate, but, but it's good to talk about strategy short of that as well. Because uh, I think that's yep. insightful. Thank you for joining us here this morning and we will connect with you down the road. Congratulations again. Thank you, Jay. Always a pleasure. Enjoy the uh, weather. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good day. Bye-bye. That was episode 25 of Cannabis Daily Show. Thank you for joining us on YouTube. Please do subscribe and we will see you tomorrow.